The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back to the show. Ian Guider in for Matt today. It's sport all the way through to the end of the show. And we definitely want your comments on this because we're talking about the Premier League now for the next little while. So get them in 87 102 I'm delighted to welcome Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascarino, Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer at The Independent. Gentlemen, a very good evening to you. Evening, Ian. Evening, Ian. It doesn't seem that long since we were speaking lastly about the Champions League and the Premier League, and it's going to be a really strange season with a World Cup in the middle of it. Mark, is that going to be a bit of an issue for teams? No, I just think uh, it's obviously going to be strange because it's never been done before. But um, listen, if, if, if you're a manager of one of the Premier League teams and you haven't got too many players going to the World Cup, you'll be delighted for the, for the rest for nearly, what, three or four weeks. And when the competition starts, alternatively, if everybody in your squad is going to play in the World Cup, it's going to make it that more that more difficult. But the other thing as well is that the new the five substitutes this year. I think it helps the bigger teams most definitely in terms of players on and players off, etc., and slowing games down if you need to in trying to win the matches. Let's start with the top teams from last year, top one and two. Let's start with Man City. Tony, they've been very active in the transfer market, finally getting their hands on the player they really wanted in Erling Haaland. How do you think that's going to bolster Man City? Um, Well, I think, Ian, it's an incredible signing because if you said to me that one of the hottest, youngest players in Europe, it would be Erling Haaland. I think you can talk about killing Mbappe and how pacey he is and how direct and what he's done at PSG has been pretty extraordinary. I think Erlen Ireland has been equal to that. And yes, you know, hasn't got so deep in the Champions League, but he will give a lot to City. I'd, I'd be amazed that he doesn't get 20-plus Premier League goals this season. He's a real talent. And, you, you know, you mentioned what they've done in this window. I, I like Calvin Phillips. I think he'll come in at times and do brilliantly well. They've lost a number of players, Man City, um, ones that seemingly Pep Guardiola, if, if players want to leave, they can be. Um, given to another football club like Sterling has been, um, it's 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 another incredibly strong City squad that are going to be the teams to beat uh, around them. They're they're the one that I think all. If anyone thinks they're going to win the Premier League, it will be we have to finish in front of Man City. Miguel Delaney, was it a good deal getting rid of Sterling? I know he, he's not going to score you twenty odd goals the way Halling might, but he's just a really good solid player and could be the type of player. That you you could say right we're getting somebody better, but you don't want to lose a player of his quality. Yeah, although there was always a little bit of an undercurrent there, and that there was a little bit of tension between him and Pep Guardiola. I mean, Guardiola he's obviously a genius as a football manager, but because he's a genius, he's notoriously intense. Some players take to it, and some players don't. I think Sterling, while he obviously respected what Guardiola got out of him and appreciated, there was always he was maybe. Uh, one of those less predisposed to how intense Guardiola is than others. But also, the other side to that is that, well, I mean, Tony's spoken about it there, but Guardiola's really wanted an overhaul of this team, a kind of a Ferguson-style overhaul, really, for about two seasons. So players like Sterling, Jesus, Mares, and Bernardo Silva, who could yet go as well, they've been on the market for the last two summers, and it's only this year they've finally managed to get rid of him. So this is something that Guardiola has wanted, um, whether it improves the team, we'll see. Everyone knows Hallam's qualities. But it, maybe, it does maybe create a little bit of an unknown about City this season. Mark, just on Man City, obviously Guardiola has been a hugely successful Premier League manager. This would be title number six if they do it again back-to-back. Mm-hmm. 
But surely what he's really looking forward is for a prim- is for a Champions League title. We talk we talk about this every year, don't we? Obviously, that's uh, that's the ultimate for them. That's for the for the owners also as well. Um, I mean, it, it's amazing now when you look back at that game against Real Madrid, how they how they just sort of collapsed so 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 late on in the game. But you know that that is the Champions League. But yes, yes, it, it's the Holy Grail for them. Um, I look at them this year. Do I do I think they're capable of winning it? Yes. Do I think they will win it? Probably no, because there just, just seems to be this problem every time they get to the latter stages where when they need to make a decision, which, whether positive or negative, in trying to make the, trying to get through the game, it always seems to go against them. And I think that's, as Miguel says, the genius of, of Pep Guardiola. But sometimes also, there's that, that's that, almost like there's a fault that comes out in the Champions League and it manifests itself in the Champions League. It's a big squad, Tony, and you add in all the players, and they are quality players that they've brought in over the last number of years, Jack Grealish and now Halling. Is it a squad that can gel together quickly enough to challenge for not just a Premier League and a Champions League together at the same time? Well, they're always a squad that challenges because they've just got so much depth of quality. That is something that we've got used to with Man City. You know, we're, we're talking about a team that wins the Premier League nearly every year at the moment. I mean, you know, Paris, Paris Saint-Germain get criticised in France because they're playing in League One and, and everybody thinks, well, that's a given, they win the league. We're not far off. The, the only thing that's happened in the last four or five years has been Liverpool have been really close to them. They've matched them very close on points. You know, they're goal-scoring defensively, and that's made the Premier League exciting. But every team, Liverpool had to beat the team that we all knew would finish first. If, you know, that was the side that everyone fears, is, is City. And it's an incredibly gifted squad. I think, I'm, I'm a, like Miguel has touched on, is, is there is a little bit of the unknown about City, of how they change slightly. But Haaland is a very direct striker. He's got a wonderful left foot. He gives a certain presence, and I think if they can find a way... My big concern on City is what type of Jack Grealish will be this year, because for a £100 million player, we all know his qualities and technically brilliant, but he had a very mediocre season last year. I don't think he can do that at City this season. I think he's got to rise up to the level that was expected of De Bruyne, um, you know, Bernardo Silva managed that last season because he was a player that was rumoured to be out, but he's an incredibly gifted player. He could leave. I think a lot rests on Jack Grealish this year because I thought he fell well short of what I, I feel he's capable of. Let's move on to Liverpool, coming second last year to Man City, but picking up two trophies, also being the Champions League final. Like, this this could have been a great... I know it sounds terrible, and I am, of course, a Liverpool fan. No, nobody wants to dismiss two trophies, Mark, but it felt like there was an awful lot more they could have had. Yes, but, you know, you, it, at the start of every season, you walk into the dressing room and you say, you know, we're going to win two trophies, and everybody would snap your hand off. So, um, yes, it, it was almost like a disappointment. Um, but, listen, that's the way football is. It, and you know, we looked at Champions League football sometimes in a game, in a, in a one-off game, the best team doesn't win, which I think was exactly what happened to Liverpool. They'll be no different as well, I think, also. I like the fact they did the business in the transfer window very, very early. And they've gone and done the usual in uh, in, in Austria and worked extremely bringing in, hard. Bringing in Darwin Nunes, but also yeah, yeah, losing think, Sané. Yeah, yeah, well, um, 
you know, that, obviously Lizzie Marnie was a blow, but this, this fella looks look, looks good and like he can be a real handful as well and lightning quick, goal scorer, etc. I just think Liverpool will be same old, same old, which is just an, just an outstanding team with an outstanding manager who, who are so, so difficult to play against. But as they know themselves, is you know, from tomorrow, from like the first game, Fulham away is because of Manchester City and their unbelievable consistency, you're almost trying to win every single game. Yeah, but well, on that, Liverpool last year, and some of it was, you had a bit of injuries, Van Dijk, and there's still a few little injuries that they really won't want to start off the, the, the season with. Yeah, and the one thing to be said for that is that maybe, I mean, this came up last season, but I think it's much more definitive this summer, given some of City's outgoings. There's, actually, there's probably an argument that Liverpool have a stronger depth than Manchester City, more options in more positions. Uh, particularly up front. And also, I mean, Mark spoke about it there as regards to the World Cup. I do think the World Cup is going to be the biggest influence in the season because obviously players will have it on their minds going into it. If someone gets a knock in the last weekend before, which is only nine days before it starts, they could miss the entire tournament. Then, of course, there's the emotional intensity of the World Cup itself and the potential hangover. But actually, if you look through the Liverpool players in it, only two of their um, main stars, Van Dijk and Alisson, are probably guaranteed to start every game in the World Cup. That could mean even if others go like Henderson, like Thiago, it mightn't be as taxing. Uh, so that could potentially swing an advantage back. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's a thing about this season as well. I mean, if this was a normal season, you would again say City and Liverpool to, to go the distance with maybe Spurs an outside chance of a, of a title challenge given Conte. But it's anything but a normal season. So that suddenly skews everything. What do you reckon, Miguel, about some of Klopp's transfer activity? Bringing in Nunes, and he looks like he really does look a great player. And you had Jota as well from last year. I mean, this could be a really, really. You're looking at probably what twenty odd goals from each of those players. Well, I mean, it's it's another interesting aspect that that this season, which has its bigger eruptions, is also the point at which both Guardiola and Klopp decide to make changes. Now, maybe Klopp had one force upon him, and it is only one kind of change in Darwin coming in for Sadio Mane. But I think, given that. The, the defining factor of Liverpool over this last half decade under Klopp has been that front three. It does, and I, the lads will be able to comment on this better. Mark having gone through kind of these big cycle changes at Liverpool, Tony being a striker, just the, the difference um, in terms of when, when one player like that actually goes, I think has a, a psychological impact. Um, I mean, obviously, Firmino's been out of the team for years, but for Mane to actually lead the team does change things. And also, there's no getting away from the fact that Darwin Nunes is a very different sort of player. Uh, I must say, uh, I think that could actually benefit Mohamed Salah just for the fact that by the end of last season, I think there were many games where Salah was being double and triple marked, whereas Nunes' sheer presence and the fact he's more of a a kind of a traditional uh, number nine, although not a completely old-fashioned number nine, given his mobility, he will maybe just occupy a bit more and take some pressure off Salah. But again, it's another one one of these unknowns. Yeah, Liverpool getting underway. Early kickoff tomorrow, half twelve against Fulham, who are newly promoted. Who wants to take on Manchester United? Because I think it was either Mark or Tony who I spoke to earlier on this year when Ten Hag, Eric Ten Hag, was appointed manager, and we said he would clear out a lot of the deadwood at Manchester United. Uh, is Cristiano Ronaldo now one of the pieces of deadwood? Uh, that's me, Ian. Go on, yeah. Tony. Go on. Yeah. Um, Go on, 
It's a really weird one. I, I don't get why Ronaldo signed a two-year deal with an option of a third year if it, after one season it didn't pan out how he thought that he would want to leave Old Trafford. I find that quite strange. Look, he's got his own intentions, his own goals, and that is continuing to be the Champions League top goal scorer, which he's leading at the moment. Um, I find his behaviour quite extraordinary for a greater priority he's been and we all know his the Ronaldo ego takes over but I think he's pushed that to the absolute limit with regards to Manchester United there's a period in your career and when you get into your you know like he's now 36 37 and you're still playing I think you have a sort of a duty to help the next group go through and improve and just generally be around and that's the thing that's disappointed me with Ronaldo in all of this because it's left a real sour taste on the United fans. His legacy at the football club has certainly been tainted. And I don't think this is going to be the end of it until he gets out the door. Which, is this a test yeah. for Ten Hag's authority? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's... Look, there's a lot of managers who like to lay down the iron rod or the iron fist and, and go after players and try... But it's a very bigger challenge to one of the greatest players that's ever played the game that, to try and appease him. And I think it's a real obstacle that was really unnecessary for Ten Hag to have going into this, this season. And I think they will ultimately pay a price. They can't rely on Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial. You know, they, they've been bit part players, certainly in the last 18 months. And Martial has, you know, gone out alone. He's, and now it, could he be back in favour? They've also had the Mason Greenwood situation. So they've been really affected in the forward areas. And they need Ronaldo to be a great pro that helps this club try to get back into the, the mould of being a regular Champions League team, challenging. And I, th- I just find that his whole behaviour, and don't get me wrong, Mark will probably say this because he said this before, that, you know, what do you expect else that Ronaldo was going to do? But I thought for this one opportunity, I think he could have handled it way different. Let's move along to some of the other contenders for top four, maybe even a championship contender this year. Mark, what do you reckon of Spurs this year? Probably didn't want to be fighting it down to the last couple of, di- couple of games with Arsenal for fourth place last year, but really good, strong team and pretty impressive up front. Pretty impressive up front, made some uh, really good purchases. Uh, we know that how driven the manager is, which obviously will get through to the players. I think a lot of us are maybe thinking that certainly, I don't think they will run the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City close, but in terms of third position, I would put them down as favourites, Ian. Really? Yeah, I would, yeah. I just, listen, you can't overstate what the manager does with these teams, um, and with this team, certainly, and we know Kane normally gets injured at some stage of the season. They've now got a replacement for him. They're thinking Richarlison. He's had some good players from Italy also, the manager. And he's, he's driven. And he, and he will drive this squad on. And I really do seriously think they will finish third in the league this time round. Miguel, I would have put Chelsea down as the team that would be in third place behind either Man City or Liverpool, just given that Tuchel has resolved a number of issues. The ownership from Abramovich has changed and he's been active as well in the transfer market. I actually must say I have to agree with Mark, and I wrote as much in my uh, predictions <laughs> in the Independent today. I, I have Tottenham third. I think. I mean, just in relevant to Chelsea, there, what Tottenham have done this summer, or rather what Conte has insisted, it reminds me of one of those classic Jose Mourinho summers when Mourinho was top of his game, where he would kind of forensically improve all the areas of the squad he needed. And I think that that's what Conte has done now, and it's why. And there's a real kind of focus about them. And it's why I'd have them actually above Chelsea at the moment. And to be honest, I'd actually, I'm just a few slight doubts about Chelsea. Um, just because, I mean, 
if you stood back, given all the ructions, given how late the takeover was, if they just signed um, Sterling, um, Koulibaly and Cucurella on their own, I think it would be a good summer. But there has been a few grumbles from Tuchel. I don't think he still has the team completely as he wants it. He wants at least two or three more. Fafan is a big one. And I think they will certainly go back in uh, for, for the defend, defended air. Leicester, I think, from what I've heard, want 80 million, even if they're even if they're publicly saying he's not for sale. I mean, this is the other thing about kind of making predictions now, I suppose. Two signings in the next three weeks could change everything. But, but just for the moment, I just feel there's certainly there's more certainty and a kind of complete idea about Spurs and maybe even Arsenal than Chelsea right now. But I wouldn't have too much in it in that regard. Yeah, Spurs underway tomorrow, three o'clock against Southampton. Tony, let's start uh, tonight's game, kicking off in hour and a half, Crystal Palace, Arsenal. Arsenal, it's been a couple of years now for Arteta to build. How much pressure on him is there to get into that top four? Well, he seems to have had enormous trust from the, the board, the owners, because of the amount of money they've... You know, he could have easily been sacked at, at different times, especially last season. There was a period where Arteta was up against it, and they stayed with him, and then they've given him a huge budget. So I don't think they'd readily pull the trigger on Arteta. Look, he's improved the team. You know, the last year they, they ended up just being outside the Champions League spots. They fell away. There was clearly a problem with... They had a very young element to their team that just couldn't get them over the line. And then when I watched them play at Newcastle away at the end of the season, which they lost, they had two centre-halves that weren't fit. He had Gabriel and he had Ben White. And both of them were definitely not fit for that game to play. And I think that sort of was the cycle of the end of their season. Arsenal are going to have a really good side this year. Whether they've got enough to get close enough to Spurs, because I think everybody's having third spot for Spurs this season, I think they'll be closer to them. Um, I do like their team. I think there's a lot of quality, and I think he's bought some really good holders of the ball. You know, the lad Vieira can certainly, they're bought him from Porto. He can hold on to the ball. Odegaard's already there, and he can keep the ball for fun. I think Shinshenko, you can put in that bracket as well. And then he's got Gabriel Jesus, who's come in from a very successful club and feels like he's at home already. So I do think there's a lot of good signs for Arsenal. Whether they can definitely be a top, top four team next year. I think there's a lot of answers. But they're, the team they're playing tonight, they got four points off Arsenal last season. And, and Arsenal played probably one of their worst games, certainly at Selhurst Park, where they got beaten up by Crystal Palace. So it's a huge test. And I think that's Arteta's team talk tonight, about how they played that, that night. And I'll be really looking forward to tonight's game because... I know it isn't at the Emirates, but one thing I would say, the atmosphere at the end of last season of the Emirates was rocking, and it hasn't been like that for years. And yes, they had a chance to get the top four, but it's a much more exciting Arsenal team. Let's go to the other end of the table and the newly promoted clubs, Nottingham Forest, Fulham, Bournemouth. Mark, what do you reckon the chances of any of those clubs being here, being in the Premier League at this time, back end of next May? Um, Bournemouth, no chance, I think, straight away. Um, not Not sure about Fulham. I know they've recruited and it looks like they've got one or two you know, defensive midfield players as well in there to make it a little bit more difficult for teams to play through them. Who'll score the goals? Will it be Mitrovic? I wouldn't have thought so because I don't think he'll be able to get the service. Um, the best one with a chance for me at the moment is Nottingham Forest but, and they've signed so many players. We won't really know for probably 10 games or so exactly the way they're going to be but they're the only one I think that could possibly but I don't, I'd throw Brentford as well in there. Uh, I'm not quite sure about them. What about Everton? They haven't got a centre forward. Um, they're just about 
kept themselves up last season. I think there's going to be a real scrap down there in, in terms of relegation, six, seven, maybe even eight teams at times. Yeah, Miguel, let's look at a couple of teams that really struggled last year. Mark mentioned Everton. We also had Leeds, probably didn't find themse- probably didn't want to find themselves where they did as well. And also the likes of Southampton. Yeah, uh, Southampton actually, I think, are one to watch in that regard. As there's a few murmurs coming out. I mean, maybe not great for Ireland, given Bazuna's just gone there, but he got have plenty to do. Because there's been a few murmurs just about the managerial situation, whether he even lasts these, and not necessarily because he's sacked, but because he might be just there's based from everything you hear, not, it's not all as right at Southampton. They've been kind of declining for some time now. Some questions about recruitment and the constant play, uh, players sold on and not fully replaced. And I don't know, there's just there's at least the ingredients in place for this to be a difficult season. Everyone that knows about Everton um, and Lampard has such a huge job there. Although, funnily, I actually think tomorrow will be one of those days where. They'll, will, they'll dig in against Chelsea. They'll get to the fans. You do think that suits Lampard better. And Goodison Park will be rocking after how last season ended. So tomorrow could be one of those deceptive results where they actually, where they actually do something before a difficult season. Um, and I, I mean, it's the interesting thing about relegation in that really it could genuinely be any one of 12 clubs. <laughs> and, at the mo- and at the moment, one of, one of the ones that people are throwing in as a kind of a, you know, an astute prediction is Leicester just because there could be a real fire sale there. Yeah, I'll get on to Leicester in a moment, but I want to go to Tony, because I better, I better ask you this one. What about Leeds' chances, Tony? Oh, well, Matt's not on tonight. I think he'll go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not listening, I can assure you. No, I, I don't. Look, I've always was a big Bielsa fan, and I know it ended badly last, last season for him, but they managed to stay up as a football club. But there was a lot of worrying signs even after that. And look, they've made a number of transfers and Jesse Marsh has gone back to, to Germany and people he knows and, and some of them he's worked with. And I, I, I still feel it's a huge challenge for Leeds United. They've lost Rafinha's goals and they've lost Calvin Phillips. I would argue they're, they're, they're the two most important players at Leeds United. They've both left the football club. So every transfer they've made better work out because I think Leeds will go. Yeah, they've got games tomorrow. They're off against Wolves at 3 o'clock tomorrow, so hopefully they get off to a good start to the season. Gentlemen, I don't know who wants to pick on this one because Newcastle, of course, taken over late, earlier on this year. Mike Ashley sold out to a company backed by Saudi investment money. They would have had plenty of time to line up people they might want to buy. Nobody seems to be biting at their riches on offer. Miguel, you might want to take that one on. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's um, an interesting one there where... Because of the ownership, and, I'm, and I'm, I think it should always be added that the nature of that ownership means it's always kind of slightly uncomfortable talking about Newcastle purely as a football team because they are a political project. But I connected to that because of the ownership. Uh, anytime Newcastle have gone for player this summer, basically clubs have put up the price by 10, 15 million because they know all about that money. And also because they can see that the same owners are spending so much in LIV golf. But of course, LIV golf doesn't have financial fair play. And it's why Newcastle, I think, have actually ended up underspending. Now, as regards that as well, I do think this pursuit of James Madison could be a bit of a touchstone moment. And Madison, probably not quite a top six player, given how his career has gone, but a good player at that Leicester level. And Leicester haven't for so long been the club that kind of disrupted the, the, the top six more than anyone else. If they were to sell Madison to Newcastle, it would almost kind of represent a little bit of a kind of a shift there. Maybe Newcastle putting themselves forward as that next best team outside the big six, given their expenditure. But it looks like they'll probably have to go to 60 million if they want Madison. 
Uh, I do think they'll benefit from a full summer of Eddie Howe's coaching. But I suppose there is a slight pressure there as well, given all they're willing to spend, given the ambition of the of the new Saudi Arabian owners. Um, and I, I, I just don't think they're quite set enough yet, no matter who they sign really for the next three weeks, even if it is Madison, to trouble the, the top six. OK, I'm really running out of time. I want to get your predictions, which we won't hold you to. Well, I will. But anyway, uh, Tony, <laughs> who do you think's going to win? Who's going down? Um, Liverpool, I'm going to go for winning the league and I'm going to go for Bournemouth, definitely, Leeds and Southampton to go down. Miguel, what's your, what's your predictions for who's going to win? You gave, as you said, you gave them the independent today, but give, give us one here on today's <laughs> well, end. You know, I almost talked myself into changing my mind because I went for City this morning and just when we talked about Liverpool in the World Cup, I, I think I'm actually going to switch to Liverpool. Going down, I would say Everton, Southampton and Bournemouth. Okay, Mark Lawrenson, your predictions, and I think you know we we don't hold these people to them at the end of the year, but it's interesting to think you know looking back on last twelve months, I think you called it right. I think you just you said you. I think you certainly said Leeds would stay up, which we which we will which we will give to you. So who's going to win? Who's going down? I'm going for Liverpool as well, and I'm going for Bournemouth, Fulham, and Brentford. Bournemouth, Fulham and Brentford. Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascarino, Miguel Delaney from The Independent. Thank you all very much for joining us. We appreciate your time today. We'll be hearing from you throughout the season and on the internationals as well. Thank you very much for your time today. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-